Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodgers fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We're presented by the Fan Sided Podcast Network. We're here getting you guys geared up for the holidays, Christmas and Hanukkah, or Hanukkah's in full motion, I should say, and Christmas is just a few days away, so happy holidays to all our listeners. We actually have a lot to talk about. The offseason started off pretty slow, and it's really heated up, so a lot of things to get started with, but there's no more appropriate way to start the show off than discussing Justin Turner. End of an era. Seriously, nine years with the Los Angeles Dodgers, nearly a decade, hit 296 over the course of his Dodgers tenure. He played 1,075 games with the Dodgers, 156 home runs hit, their all-time postseason hits leader with 85 of those suckers, the 2017 NLCS MVP, 2020 World Series champion, and a lot more that we'll get into in just a moment. Uh, Great question coming from Checo 14. He wants us to discuss our favorite Justin Turner moments and the legacy that you'll remember him with. So let me pass that over to David Rosenthal. Happy holidays, David. Share us some Justin Turner moments as he's left us for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, the one that just jumps out and will forever be one of the greatest moments in Dodger history is uh, in the NLCS against the Cubs when he hit the walk-off home run off John Lackey. Uh, I was in the, I was at that game. I was in that stadium and that is the loudest I've ever heard a stadium in person. Uh, granted, I went to university of Michigan. There's 115,000 people in the big house, the second biggest stadium in the world. I'd never heard it that loud when Justin Turner hit a, hit a walk-off grand slam. I think for the Dodgers, you know, this actually is sounds weird coming out of my mouth, but Bill Plaschke actually said it pretty well. He said, Justin yeah, that Turner, was a good piece. I read that too. Yeah, he said Justin Turner wasn't the best Dodger, but he was like the best of, I, I don't know. He said it wrong. If you if you like reading, read that article. Uh, he wasn't the best player. He was never the best player on the team, but he kind of embodied what it meant to be a Dodger. And I think he's going to be remembered for that uh, more so than his actual playing, which he was an all-star, two-time all-star with the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, it just feels like it was kind of time to move on. It sucks. Um, Cause you never want, you know, led Dodger legends like that to ever put on another uniform. But I think it kind of ended on a, a pretty positive note, honestly. I mean, obviously their exit wasn't positive, but his, his Dodgers career as a whole was phenomenal. I think I credit him the most out of anyone with the turnaround they had uh, when the new ownership group came, he was the guy who was leading the clubhouse performing on the field and kind of set in motion that shift from not making the playoffs to perennial contender. So uh, nothing to be sad about. It's more so just remembering the good times. Yeah. And not only on the field, but off the field, the Justin Turner foundation winning the Roy Campanella or sorry, winning the um, God damn it. What's his name? Roberto Clemente. Yes. There you go. Winning the Roberto Clemente award and having a, the city of Los Angeles give him his own day. Can't forget that Justin Turner day. Um, So Yeah. Jake Reiner, how's it going? Let me get you in introduced and your thoughts. So for whatever reason, I think this him leaving the Dodgers hit me harder than anyone has hit me in recent memory. And I think the last time that I felt this way was when the Dodgers traded away Sean Green all the way back in 2005. You know, growing up a Dodgers fan, uh, Sean Green was my favorite player of all time and favorite Dodger of all time. And to watch him get traded away was just devastating. And I think similarly here with Justin Turner, because when he burst onto the scene, 
got him off the scrap heap 2014. And then he really hit his stride in 2015 and 2016. And he not only played his way onto this roster, he signed a minor league deal. He played his way onto this roster. He had to fight for at bats. I remember him just coming off the bench and being kind of a pinch hit specialist uh, for, for those Don Mattingly Dodgers. And then eventually fighting his way into the starting lineup. And I agree with all all of what you're saying. He wasn't the best Dodger throughout this entire span, but I think he was the clutchest Dodger. And he always came up with the moment uh, on the line, with the game on the line, and he continually came through. A lot of people remember uh, from 2017 on um, that moment that David brought up, which, by the way, was on the anniversary of the Kirk Gibson home run. Uh, in the World Series in 1988. So just, I mean, just a magical moment. But you look at 2015 and 2016, I was looking at some of his highlights. A lot of the hits that he got were late game, down by a run, either the tie, tie the game or go ahead. And his clutch stats, I mean, you look at all the different splits that he had, you know, two outs with runners in scoring position, a lifetime 813 OPS, tie game, 865 OPS. Uh, When uh, the Dodgers were uh, ahead, he had an 862 OPS. I mean, you just look at all the different splits and he just was able to come through in every single moment. Um, And I'm not sure how they how they all calculate this on baseball reference, but in, in high leverage he has an 834 OPS, so constantly 800 and above uh, in those clutch moments. Um, so 2017, the NLCS, that was a, a, an incredible moment. But the two other ones that I want to point out are the 2018 uh, NLCS Game 7. The Dodgers were down, and he comes he comes up to the plate in the late innings and hits that uh, hits that home run uh, against the Brewers that to was put the Dodgers. Jeremy Jeffers, right? Yes, yeah. to put the to put the Dodgers ahead, and then they eventually won. Uh, with you know, uh, also credit to uh, uh, Chris Taylor. Both of those guys uh, were incredible in that series, and also in 2017 they won the co MVP uh, for the NLCS. And then the and then the other moment that I wanted to bring up was uh, 2020 NLCS Game Seven. That defensive play that he made. A lot of people yeah. knocked him for his defense, but. He actually was a really good third baseman. And and I, I'm not even going to look at all the advanced metrics because I don't care. I know what I saw. And what I saw was a really solid third baseman. And what I saw was a guy that came up clutch on defense a lot of the time. And that was the clutchest defensive play I've ever seen. He lays out, tags Dansby Swanson running home, then gets up on one knee, throws to third. And I believe Seeger was covering, gets the guy out at third, double Austin play. Riley. They get... Yeah, Austin Riley. They get out of that. They get out of that situation, and that's what set up the Kike Hernandez home run and the Cody Bellinger home run in that series. So he was an instrumental part of each of these Dodgers teams that we've seen over the years. I'm sad to see him go, but God damn it, he was a great Dodger. He was the Dodgers' number three hitter for the longest time too, and yep. him and him and Agon were a tandem when Agon was in his heyday with the Dodgers. Another thing that I remember is their little selfie that they would do together after one of them usually hit a home run or drove in one another. Um, but I remember watching Justin Turner's Dodgers debut. It actually took place in Australia. And I don't think I really followed spring training that much that season. So when he had started at second base for the Dodgers, D Gordon, for whatever reason, did not start that game. It was JT. I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but I like his plate discipline. And from that moment on, I became a huge JT fanatic. Just remember the energy he usually brought off the bench. He was essentially the Dodgers' first main utility guy of the that I liked of the 2010s decade. And like you guys mentioned, forced himself into the starting lineup from 2015 on. So all he did was produce, clutch hitter, all those postseason moments you just mentioned. He also had a big home run in game two of that 2018 NLCS I think he hit a go-ahead two-run home run off Jeffers as well in the late innings. And I think the Dodgers were down 0-1 in that series. So that was actually a significant home run because they were trailing that game by a run, put them up 4-3. They tied that series and then obviously went to a seven-game, best of seven. Also, I want to add real quick, I I've, I don't know why I keep forgetting this because you and I were there, Kevin, but in the 2021 wildcard game against the Cardinals, he 
was the guy that tied the game uh, with a solo home run to tie it at one. And then, yeah. you know, obviously everyone talks about Chris Taylor's walk-off, but they don't get to that walk-off without Justin Turner. Yeah. He never, he never hit point. below 275 as a Dodger. Incredible. That was his lowest average as a Dodger. Just incredible ability to make contact when you needed him to come through in the clutch. Not, not only that, he was kind of, I mean, they didn't, I don't think that they gave him like the, you know, captain title officially like they do like with the Yankees, but he was the captain of the team. Oh yeah. And, and he, and he, he was that glue. He was that guy. Um, And if you heard, you know, Kershaw on MLB network recently, he was talking about how much he's going to miss him in the clubhouse and how he always felt that whenever he saw Justin Turner in the clubhouse, on the field, before the game, whatever. He just always had that feeling that the Dodgers are going to win. He had that confidence. He carried himself that way. Um, yeah, just just an unbelievable player. He gets to join the Red Sox that have that are becoming a collection of former Dodgers. Great friends with Kike Hernandez, which helped in the recruiting process. Canley Jansen signing over. It'll be his first season in Boston as well. Alex Verdugo, they have a little time together in Los Angeles. And then most recently, Chris Martin, who spent half this last season with Justin Turner. Found it kind of interesting that Alex Cora was able to recruit Justin Turner over from what Craig Mish of the Miami Marlins had reported. They had offered him a more competitive offer. But I guess for whatever reasons, they're going to mend that whole 2017 saga because, of course, Alex Cora was the ringleader in that cheating scandal. So I kind of find that storyline a little bit interesting. Yeah, I think that that Justin Turner probably looked at his options of, do I want to go to Miami where they have literally no chance of winning or maybe a slightly better chance of winning in Boston? And I think that actually had a lot to do with it, not to mention all the former teammates of his that he's now joining. He is a Dolphins fan, but yeah, winning, that is true. winning is more important, I suppose. Um, you can watch you can watch Dolphins games wherever you are, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, another good question coming from one of our great listeners, uh, Jason Castillo, who will take over as the team leader. And, you know, I kind of feel like Justin Turner was that sole leader for a good number of years. But from 2020 on, he, he got some help. Mookie Betts has established himself as a team leader. Freddie Freeman is a big clubhouse leader guy. You could tell he already cemented himself when he joined last season. So I think the Dodgers will be covered in terms of the leadership department, not to mention Clayton Kershaw is still there. So that's where I stand with that answer. Yeah, the guy they're paying $365 million is is my answer. Uh, I mean, you know, that's if you're paying a guy that much, you're, you kind of need him to take the reins a little bit. Uh, and you're seeing this kind of slight exodus of former, you know, 2017-ish Dodgers, and there's an opening. Yeah, you you're, you still got Clayton Kershaw, uh, but for a team leader, you you pre, you kind of need a position player to take that role. Someone who's going to be playing every single day, uh, and look no further than the guy they're paying three hundred sixty-five million dollars. No doubt. So it's a shame that Justin Turner couldn't retire with the Dodgers. I almost feel like the number ten is retirement worthy in its own but i understand it won't meet the hall of fame criteria but unfortunately justin turner's career agenda extends a little farther than what the dodgers had in mind and this is kind of the feeling i had two years ago when he was searching for that four-year contract out in the market the dodgers were willing willing only to guarantee two years here we are two years later and at least Justin Turner's got that two-year club, two years with the option for the second year with boston so wishing you the best of luck jt Hope you kill it out there. Hit a ton of balls over that green monster and let's ride. Yeah, that park is perfect for him. There's going to be a lot of long singles off that wall for him. Anything else on Justin Turner before we move on? No, I mean, I always, I also always appreciated how for Dodger home games, you'd always go shake the hand of the military hero of the game that they do at the stadium. I always liked that. Yeah, and he never did it for publicity. And yeah. I didn't even know about that. That's how under the radar it was until I read that Bill Plaschke article. Yeah. He also had some of the best walk-up songs, which I can't forget to mention. Oh, disagree. Turn Down for What was like the perfect Justin Turner walk-up song. And then the the Ed Sheeran song, Shape of You. Yeah, another, I hated that one. Another lit like one that. for JT. 
Those no are the thanks. two I can remember off the top of my head. And no, pass. Apparently, I don't know if he. <laughs> I love I love the juxtaposition of Kevin being like that was a banger, and Kevin <laughs> and David being like that was the worst song I've ever heard. As someone that went to a lot of Dodger games in those early peak Justin Turner years, I remember how the crowd reacted to his walk up song. So he he did a good job there. Uh, the last thing with Justin Turner. I don't know if he kept this tradition on. Probably not because it's not healthy. But apparently when he was first with the Dodgers, before every game, he would eat French toast. And I found that kind of an interesting report from Charlie Steiner. Don't know if that carried on, but I would love to know the answer. Because French toast is bomb. It is. (laughs) We'll take a moment here to talk about one of our show's proud sponsors, TickPick. Christmas is just a few days away. And... One of the best gifts to get people, guys, is tickets. There's lots of sports going on. You got NFL on Christmas Day. You got basketball on Christmas Day. You got hockey playing all over the place. You got concerts. There's New Year's events, all that. You can find it on TickPick. First time buyers, if you use the promo code INCLINE all caps on the app, you'll save $10 right away off your first purchase of $49 or more. And they have the best competitive prices out there. So when you go to TickPick, You see a price, there's no hidden service fees. That's the price you're paying over at TickPick. So do your holiday shopping now. Use that promo code INCLINE, save some money, and go see your favorite event. Okay, so with Justin Turner leaving, that opened the door for a new Dodger, someone that I'm very excited about joining the club, and that's designated hitter J.D. Martinez joining Los Angeles on a one-year, $10 million contract few things that were interesting that the athletic reported Scott Boris was able to work this thing out. Apparently he had JD take approximately 6 million less than his fair market value to join the Dodgers for a couple of reasons. One comfortability reconnecting with Mookie Betts. They were great teammates out in Boston. They won a world series together at the Dodgers expense. Unfortunately, second of all, the hitting coach that reinvigorated Martinez career is with the Dodgers. Whether you like him or not, that's Rob Van Skoyok. So now, after J.D. kind of had a little bit of a down year with the Red Sox this past season, Van Skoyok is there. Maybe he's able to rekindle Martinez. And I think this is going to be a great addition. Yeah, he's a DH, which isn't the most optimal in terms of moving guys around and shuffling the order. But this guy is a lefty masher. I mean, for his career, he is a 306 hitter against lefties, 957 OPS. Even last year in a down year, he hit 319 against lefties. So something that the Dodgers have kind of lacked in years past where, oh, we can't hit lefties. Well, J.D. Martinez, huge right-handed bat right there. This guy has a lot of experience as well. 12 seasons, 282 career home runs. And maybe even most important to some of us who care about this, the dude mashes and comes through in October. 306 lifetime hitter in the postseason with a 957. Or sorry, I got that one wrong. 303 hitter in the postseason with a 987 OPS with nine home runs and, of course, killed the Dodgers in 2018. So what do you guys think about the Dodgers adding J.D. Martinez? I love this move. I think that for all the reasons you just mentioned, he is is going to fit right in to this uh, to this roster. I mean, the connection to Mookie Betts. Um, I, I just I just think that. Uh, as we've seen the Dodgers during this offseason, they've been very quiet and also very conservative with with their money. And this was a perfect deal, uh, a really cheap deal. And the fact that he got less than Justin Turner and Joey Gallo and all these other uh, hitters that you know are either older or not as good uh, just kind of speaks to the culture that the Dodgers have um, also Robert Venskoyak, uh, w- which is, which is a good thing. Um, I would like to see, uh, if the, like we've been talking about, if the Dodgers can kind of change their approach at the plate and not, not even just change their approach, but just being able to adjust in game, uh, to manufacture runs like they do during the regular season and have that translate to the postseason. That's really what I want to see. So if this helps, then great. And the one thing that I did read about J.D. Martinez that I really loved was when he joined the Red Sox was kind of the 
the time when Mookie Betts was was kind of coming up and establishing himself, um, they basically said, your project is Mookie Betts. And after J.D. Martinez worked with Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts went out there and won an MVP. Uh, and then they went on to win the World Series. So if J.D. Martinez can, you know, kind of reignite Mookie Betts, I'm, lo- I'm still looking for a, you know, MVP caliber, caliber season from Mookie Betts. So if that can kind of spark that, I, I'm all for it. And, uh, let, you know, let's hey. hope that uh, he can he can kind of fit in uh, fit into this lineup. He just had a career high in home runs last season. So I was pretty happy with Mookie Betts regular season performance last season. Yeah. So on the J.D. Martinez front, I don't give a shit about the prior connections. I don't care that he knows Mookie Betts. I don't care that he knows Robert Venskoyak. This is a good baseball player. He can hit the shit out of the ball. Last year, he was uh, top five in the league in doubles, hit 274 with 16 home runs, and that's a down year for him. That is a down year. Now we get him on a contract year. We get him in a change of scenery. We get him where he's, he's in a situation where he can use the Dodgers as a launch pad to get one more final contract uh, for his career. Uh, he was in the 87th percentile in barrel percentage and 87th percentile in expected slugging percentage. The hard hit percentage was kind of in the middle of the pack, but I think with a new, uh, you know, new eyeballs on his swing, a new approach with working with different hitting coaches can invigorate this guy to get one more contract. And that's what I was begging for, for the Dodgers to sign Michael Conforto to do. I want, I want him to do the same thing. And now we got JD Martinez who can use the Dodgers while contributing to their success to, you know, push himself into that, that multi-year contract uh, range next off season. Uh, it's a perfect spot for him. It's a perfect uh, destination for J.D. Martinez to just get a fresh start. And it's a great fit for the Dodgers. Yes, uh, I, I don't know which one of you just mentioned the, you know, the Dodgers' versatility. They like to mix and match the DH. I don't I don't think he's going to start every single game. I think he's going to start three out of four games. I think they're going to be able to mix and match, uh, you know, the designated hitter occasionally, get Will Smith in there when Barnes catches, et cetera. But uh, that's, that's why we heard that report of Miguel Vargas working at second base. Because they're gonna, they're still gonna want Miguel Vargas to get at bats on a consistent basis. And now that you signed JD Martinez, you know I, I'm assuming Max Muncy was the original DH consistently. So now that you got JD, you're gonna have Muncy playing third and second, and you're gonna need Vargas to get at bats at second base and 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 in left field as well. So that was puzzling when I first saw it, but after the JD Martinez signing, it makes a lot of sense. Can he not play the outfield at all? I think Martinez? he'll play. I think he'll play a few games in left. Maybe not a, not a lot, but a yeah. few. When's the last time he really had any opportunities out I there? I think 2019 or something. I it was at least two years ago. He can do it, and the, I, I'm not too worried about blind faith. Defense. Yeah, I have faith. Just just throw him out there, see what happens. I've seen worse, so. It's not like it's going to be October yep. games where it matters. Like we can we can expense it a few regular season games. Can't be any worse than Jock Peterson at first. That was the that was the worst experiment ever. Off that or Gavin Lux in the outfield, both yeah. disasters. Gavin Lux was okay in the outfield. It no. took there's a couple growing pains, but he wasn't that bad. He was pretty bad. A couple. <laughs> he he ran into the wall multiple times. Well, and- I, I think you're going to see worse. From J.D. Martinez, honestly. I mean, at least Gavin Lux can move out there. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. This is all a moot point. I just think the last thing that I'm excited about with J.D. Martinez is I think he's going to be a great influence on the younger guys. Jake mentioned Mookie Betts, but I'm thinking more like his, how great of an influence he'll be on Miguel Vargas, maybe Gavin Lux, um, Michael Bush, if he's on the big league roster, guys like that who are probably more accustomed to hitting home runs in the PCL league where it's hitter, very hitter friendly, but they're not going to get that same experience in the majors. It's much more difficult. And I think with JD's experience, he's going to teach these guys. This is a big launch angle guy. He's going to pass on his wisdom wisdom. And we'll probably see the power production. I would hope from all these youngsters. And you can throw Outman in that mix as well. So can't forget that out that, um that opportunity. Other moves that the Dodgers have been making more under the radar, low key. I mean, they made a trade for Yanni Hernandez from the Athletics, someone I've never heard of. Very minimal experience. He's a 24 year old 
infielder. Maybe they'll teach him to play some outfield. Not really sure what analysis I can really present that's going to be of any substance, but his last name is Hernandez. And the last time the Dodgers traded for a utility player with the last name Hernandez was Kike Hernandez, and he worked out pretty well. So maybe lightning will strike twice. Yeah, um, I, I appreciate what you did there, Kevin. But um, I, 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 I was kind of looking at his stats, and I think that you know he's a he's a big on base percentage type of guy. Also, a lot of speed. I uh, saw some stolen base numbers up in the high thirties, forties. Um, so he's got some speed on him too. Um, I think that you know it's great that he's twenty four. I think that that's that's awesome. I mean, who knows what you know what can happen with that? I mean, a young player like that getting into the right system and kind of developing, and like Kevin mentioned, I mean you know, what did we think of Kike Hernandez when he showed up and then turned out, you know, he turned out, it turned out great. You know, Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, that, that kind of crew where you just, you did, you know, you don't know what you got and you hopefully got something there. Definitely. They also signed a bunch of guys to minor league deals, but there's, there's only really one that sticks out to me at this moment. And it's reuniting with their 2020 world series champion, left-handed reliever, Adam Kalerik who was a disaster in Oakland. Maybe you want to fault that with the three batter minimum rule, but he wasn't really getting anybody out. That whole trade in general was a, just a huge bust. It was Kalerik and um, Cody Thomas. Cody Thomas was DFA'd. Kalerik obviously gone. And then in exchange, the Dodgers got Sheldon Noisy, who one of the most disgusting Dodgers ever, just <laughs> terrible. And then... My favorite thing is that that's your opinion of him now. But when we got him, you were like, Sheldon Noisy. I <laughs> I think he's, you know, he he had a really great minor league next season. Next Muncy, dude. The next Max Muncy. Next all Max did, Muncy. All I did was break in AAA, but it just didn't pan out. And then the other guy that the Dodgers acquired was Gus Farland, who was recently claimed in the Rule 5 draft by the Brewers. So none of those players on any of their original teams. So... So I don't know what the Tony that's a Tony Snell, Snell stat line trade <laughs> yeah. guys running around doing nothing. So I don't know if the Dodgers are trying to be sneaky here because the Padres have Juan Soto on their roster now. And so the thinking is that they're going to see him a lot. And if Claire can reestablish himself, they eventually add him to the big league roster to neutralize Soto. That's the only analysis I can really come up with. The one thing I'll say about Adam Cleric, and we've said it a lot on this podcast because we've talked about the 2019 NLDS Game 5, but man, oh man, the fact that he got Juan Soto out basically every time he came out of the bullpen to face him, and that was before the three-batter minimum so that you could afford to just have him pitch to him and take yeah. him out afterwards. How he didn't see the field in that final game is just the most head-scratching, debilitating thing i've i've ever had to reflect on that's and, that's roberts's worst move ever period Straight yeah up. i i think it i think it i think it has to be um yeah just just disgusting so yeah. hopefully he can have a rebound with us but i but i fear that he is kind of that you know uh pre three batter minimum merchant that i don't know he can't get righties out unfortunately yeah Dodgers have just a lot of those guys right now that probably are on the brink of either being DFA'd or going to China with Justin Brule, Victor Gonzalez, Adam Kalerik. Garrett Clevenger couldn't last. They traded him, but now apparently he's a flamethrower in Tampa. So I don't know. What he was pitching there. like he was pitching like High season leverage. on the line innings for the Rays. I know, and he was delivering. Yeah. He looked like a different guy. Uh, I mean, I thought he was I thought he was pretty decent. He just couldn't Me stay too. on the field. Yeah. He was always hurt. He was fine. I, I think he was a solid player. Other Dodgers news, not too much. We kind of covered it all, but Noah Syndergaard gave his press conference very recently. A couple things that I really liked that he mentioned was he has full confidence that he's going to be able to throw 100 miles per hour again. Apparently, a year ago, he was throwing 97-98, had a little bit of an injury. No surprise. I mean, he's always hurt. So that was kind of what dipped his velocity throughout the 2022 season. So he mentioned that he also said he joined the Dodgers because everything they touch turns to gold and he wants to be the next example of that. 
So he'll be wearing 43 for the Dodgers, for those who care. So just a little more updates on the Thor. I just want to point out and kind of toot my own horn here, but when the news came out that the Dodgers had agreed to a deal with Noah Syndergaard, and we had talked about that in the last podcast, I had said that he probably saw what happened with Tyler Anderson and wanted to join the Dodgers based on that, on on basically seeing a guy that really had never had a great season up until last year. And he basically said that in his press conference. Um, so I feel I feel very validated about that. I'm glad. Thank you. I'm glad you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Awesome question coming from at to Roscoe. Friend of the show as well. With Seth Lugo going to the Padres, this was a Dodgers target. Do you expect the Dodgers to make any more moves? Um... I think they'll I think they're still trying to get a center fielder. Um I think they're set with pitching. I think they signed Cindergard, you know, to complete that rotation. But I think they are committed to the young guys after that. I think if there's an injury uh or they want to just give them a chance, I think Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, and Ryan Pepio are what they're gonna rock with in terms of pitching depth. And I'm I'm personally okay with that. I mean, what is the point? of drafting and developing these pitching prospects. If you're not going to just let them, you know, push them into the water and make them swim. So I, I, I like this. I like this pitching staff they have. Obviously it's a little fragile uh, if there's some kind of an injury, but on the center field front, I, I think they might try to acquire someone via trade. Uh, Ken Rosenthal had the article. It was, he mentioned Reynolds, Brian Reynolds, whose price is going to be astronomically high. So that's not going to happen. Dylan Carlson, uh, a couple other guys, I forget who he mentioned, um, but I, I think if there is a move, it's it's a trade for a center fielder. Didn't they pick up? Uh, they signed Bradley, yeah, Bradley Zimmer. Zimmer, but to a minor league deal, minor league deal, and also yeah. Hayward. Yeah, yeah. I think the Dodgers are done free agent wise, but I I could see them I could see them swinging a deal. I don't think the Dodgers are done. I think they're done in the free agent market, so that means no Conforto. Sorry, David. He doesn't we'll fit see. the Do- he doesn't fit the Dodgers anymore anyways because they're pretty much set on corner outfielders and they need a center fielder just like you said. So that will take us to the next question, a, a double up from Micah Claiborne and someone that's been helping us out. So I appreciate you, Alberto. At a Amazola twenty four, what would a trade package for Brian Reynolds look like? Insane is my answer. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it is with the Pittsburgh Pirates and their asks. But it's it's astronomically high. I mean, we've talked about the Felipe Vasquez ask a million times. And even in Rosenthal's article, I mean, he said that the the, the price is oh, yeah. Soto like. Yeah, it's like, are you kidding me? You're going to get a Soto like package for that guy. He's good. But I mean, get the hell out of here. That's the hardest of hardest passes ever. No, thank you. Thanks for playing. Yeah, but- What's weird about the Pirates is that they'll be stingy on this, but then they'll make that awful Chris Archer deal, which made no sense why they traded for him. And it was a terrible trade. It ended up not working out at all. And it actually benefited the Rays because the Rays ended up getting Chris Archer back anyway, uh, a year later or something. So I don't really know what what the heck they're doing over there. I just I think, think they're traumatized. I think they're under new management now for what it's worth. It's the same GM. It's Charrington. But I don't think he was there with the that Archer trade. Oh, okay. Well, he was there, he was for sure there for the Vasquez trade. Yeah, he was there for that. Yeah. Or non-trade, I should say. Yeah. Trade to jail. Yeah. You're you're definitely right there. Um, we also were, were asked if the Dodgers could swing a trade for Rafael Devers because there seems to be some contract issues going on in Boston. God, I would love that. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think that GM over there is struggling. I think he's feeling the heat. I think everybody's on his ass for what the hell has he been doing? They just cut Jeter Downs, the centerpiece of the Mookie Betts trade. So that was a complete whiff for them. They they lose out on Bogarts, uh, and pretty much everything he's done has just been awful. So they, he's already talked about trying to extend him. If you're that GM, you have to extend him. There's there's no coming. You're already on the thinnest of thin ice. I don't see him letting that guy go at all, especially not trading him. 
I don't understand what the hell they did with Bogarts because the reporting was is that they were not even in the ballpark of where San Diego I mean, was offering. I mean, how could you be, though? They gave him $280 million, and I, I don't think he's a $280 million player. But everyone's overpaying for shortstops. I mean, you weren't gonna get it. You weren't gonna get him if you if you didn't overpay Swan- for him. Swanson got one seventy seven. That's over a hundred million. Swanson less. is 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 not at the tier of a Bogarts or a Trey Turner or Carlos Correa. Swanson was never I gonna think, get that kind of deal. I think I'd rather have Swanson over Bogarts, though. I also well, think you that got the, that I mean that's got, irrelevant because. Swanson was never going to get that that kind of deal. He doesn't have the offensive production to get that kind of deal. I mean, their wars are pretty close. And in a vacuum, it's you're just talking about the position, which is including the defense, not just the bat. And I mean, Pe- Swanson has the pedigree. This guy was drafted first overall by the, the D-back. So, I mean, there's always been value on him. I just don't think Bogart was rightfully paid. I mean, if Trevor Story got... Six years, 140, I think, from the Red Sox, whatever. Bogarts is not twice the player that Trevor Story is. I think San Diego, they struck out on Judge. They struck out on um, Turner. Turner, thank you. They're like, we got to spend this money somewhere. We're just going to overpay on Bogarts. And I honestly think uh, whoever his agent is, they played them. I really do. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I just the 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 thinking behind what they've done in Boston, starting with Mookie Betts and letting Bogarts go and not being able to even lock up Devers at this point is just an avalanche of dysfunction. It's just horrible over there. Yeah, no doubt. That is that is one franchise that is in disarray right now. But can we talk about the other franchises in disarray right now? Please. We will. We will in a minute. Just wanted to wrap up the this uh, question segment with Liam Hendricks on the block. I'm going to continue to throw it out as long is as I can. Is he on the block? There's or is he mixed, on your block. There's mixed reports. I mean, came out recently that the Mets are going after him, and then mystery teams. I think he'd be a great fit for the Dodgers. So I'm I'm keeping I'm keeping my eye out on that. I would love to have an established closer like him. And then on the center fielders, the other name that was in that Rosenthal report was Jarek Kelenic. So yeah. very uh, risky move because he has not established himself as a major leaguer yet, but also high pedigree, one of the top prospects. So the Dodgers have a lot of prospect infielders with the Amayas, the Bushes of the world. And they really want a center fielder that is target number one with Kiermaier going to Toronto. So I think given that there's still like three months of the offseason left, they're going to find their guy eventually. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. It will be next year. I mean, Mookie Betts happened in February, so there's still plenty of time. You got to be patient. Um, But yes. All right. So the main story that broke last night was a shocker. I have never seen anything like this as long as I've been a baseball fan, which is as long as I can remember my life. John Heyman tweets at like 11.30 p.m. that the Mets and Carlos Correa have a deal. First of all, what the hell is Steve Cohen doing? This is a $500 million payroll, but that's not the main story here. We can talk about that. What the hell happened with the Giants? How do you let this happen if you're a San Francisco Giant front office executive? You just can't let this happen. You miss out on Aaron Judge. You don't sign Arson Judge, either of them. And then you finally pivot to a shortstop, Carlos Correa, arguably the top shortstop on the market. You sign him for about a week. And then after this inexplicable amount of time goes by, apparently there was an issue with his with his physical. Something popped up. He was dressed to go to his press conference in San Francisco. He had put on his clothes to go to the to San Francisco press conference to be introduced. And then it comes out that there's a, an issue with the physical. This is malpractice. I don't know what the hell, how you let this happen. 
Because not only do you miss out on Carlos Correa, you miss out on the other guys who just got signed. You can't sign Xander Bogarts now. You can't sign Dansby Swanson. Who the hell else are you going to sign? It's another lost offseason for the Giants, and it's fucking hysterical. I think what I what I saw was that it wasn't necessarily an issue with his with his current physical, but that it was some issue they had with an injury that he had in the minors that hadn't popped up while he was in the major leagues or something of that. I don't know. It's weird. And then Farhan Zaidi, old friend, comes out with a, you know, we wish we wish Carlos the best of luck. Oh, if I was a Giants fan and I saw that, I would burn Oracle Park to the ground. Like that is just unacceptable, especially when you look at what the Padres did this offseason. The fact that the Dodgers are still there even though they didn't have that that good of an offseason so far. You got to do something to put yourself in a position to win the division. And even with Carlos Correa, that lineup was not going to do much. I mean, you look at the rotation, they lost Rodon. They don't really have much of anything past Logan Webb. So they weren't they weren't going to be that good as it was. But with the expanded playoffs, they did have a shot to at least make the play in. And now I don't even know if that's a possibility with this current roster that they have. So to not lock this guy down, the off seasons that Farhan Zaidi has had with this Giants franchise has been abysmal. And you take away what happened in 2021, which which by all accounts was a fluke because they they did not repeat that at all in 2022. And they essentially had a very similar roster to what they had in 21. So you take that away, and he has had one off season, one bad off season after the next, and to whiff on He's... this like they did is just is just unacceptable. So overrated. Farhan Zaidi is one of the most overrated executives in the sport. Like you just said, 2021 major fluke. The Lamont Wades of the world, who came back down to earth this last season, makes absolutely no sense. In 2019, when Bumgarner and I think Will, was it Will Smith? Maybe he was the year. No, sorry. It's 2018 when Bumgarner and Will Smith were free agents, were, were impending free agents. Giants were going nowhere at the death around the deadline. He held on to them and they got absolutely nothing. Maybe they got compensation picks, but they could have traded those guys for a plethora of prospects, especially Bumgarner because he was pitching pretty well at that time. Now that I think about it, that was 2019. And also same thing with Will Smith a great reliever until more recently. And he just let them walk for nothing. And then he struck out with Bryce Harper. He struck out with uh, now Aaron judge or arson judge, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, I'm not even a fault Carlos Correa. Cause I don't know what came up in that. So I'm going to leave that out, but I'm going to rip the giants because a week ago I said that contract was going to be a disaster. And maybe they listened to this podcast and called far <laughs> the ownership called Farhan and said, what are you doing, idiot? We cannot give him $350 million. We're going to come up with some bullshit excuse to get out of this. And ultimately... And Farhan, and, and Farhan was like, well, where did you hear that? And he's like, the incline! <laughs> so, ultimately, I think it's going to pay dividends for them not signing Correa. But in the short-term things, this is just a bad look. It's just showing to your, fr- your fans that you're not willing to spend or you don't care. And... The Giants are going to be a bad team next season. Their prospects aren't exactly panning out. Joey Bart, who is like number one in Major League Baseball pipeline, hasn't done shit. They have no pitchers that's they have no pitchers in their system that have come up in the last two or three years and have really shown anything either. They took Alex Wood from us. He's been fine. Desclafani, not fine. Every time he faces the Dodgers, he gets lit up. So, yeah, with the Mets signing Correa. I don't really don't know what they're doing either. The the payroll that they're about to take a toll on might cool, be cool this year, but three to four years down the line when all these guys are old and useless and they're going to have to pay these excessive luxury taxes and lose all their draft picks and all that whatnot, like you, got, you better get it now because Scherzer and Verlander are very old. So I don't know what they have planned in store. You're taking at-bats away from Brett Beatty, who seems like a perfectly awesome prospect. So... I think the Mets will win 100 games this year. Don't know how they'll do in the postseason because it's such a crapshoot. 
but a lot of question marks on both sides right now. And I'm talking about the Giants and the Mets. I also want to just say, oh, sorry, go ahead, David. No, no, go ahead. I saw a clip I sent it to you guys, but um, for our listeners, there was a uh, a compilation that KNBR, the Giants radio station, put together of all of the sad Giants uh, phone calls that came into the radio station today. Um, and if you want some entertainment, you should go listen to that. But one of the one one of the callers really, really uh, stuck out to me. It was this guy who was like, I don't understand what's going on. My kids were so upset. They were throwing their phones all around the house when this news broke. And, you know, honestly, I don't I don't blame them for being as upset as they are. They should be furious at losing out on this prize possession that they coveted. And basically were willing to spend a lot of money and now have nowhere to spend that money. Yeah. And another thing I want to point out is you notice everyone online is commending Steve Cohen and the Mets for doing this. Have you guys noticed that? Everyone is everyone is like, oh, my God, they're amazing. They're going to be so stacked. It's like, where was that? Where was that for us? Exactly. And they're they're You know, I'm fully supportive of this. I think more teams should spend. But go back a year, two years, three years. When the Dodgers did this, everybody did not have this attitude. The Everybody had the attitude of, oh, they're buying the championships. They're they're ruining the league with this money. That's not how you run a ball club. You got to draft and develop. Haven't heard any of that for the Mets. Haven't heard one person say that. Not one. So I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know if there's been an attitude shift. Or people just hate the Dodgers. It's but, people hate the Dodgers. When the yeah. Yankees did it, it was cool. They're like, George Steinbrenner, best owner ever. Yeah. Now the Padres are doing it. Oh, this is awesome. Small market. Small team. market. Yeah, go spend. Yeah. And when, when the Dodgers spend $5, it's, oh, yeah. they're buying the championships. Fuck off. That's yeah. all I have to say. How dare they pay Kershaw $30 million a year? Yeah, it's like that. It's like that meme. It's like the strong and independent on one side and a broke ass on the other for doing the same thing. Yeah bunch of clowns and yeah i like that the mets are spending but at a certain point they're spending too much that it's almost a detriment to the sport so and there hasn't been there has never been a 500 million dollar payroll in any sport but this is the worst 500 million dollar roster you could possibly put together i mean yes it's a good roster yes they're gonna they're gonna win 100 games but if i'm spending 500 million dollars i need a better roster than that i mean you got mark canna Thomas Nito and Daniel Vogelbach in your starting lineup for $500 million. Come on. I I, I mean, that, that, well, that team is beatable. You're well, spending $500 million and I don't even think you're the best roster in, in the, in your, in your league. I wonder where that kid Alvarez is at. If he's re- yeah, ready to Frankie catch. Cheech wasn't projected in the starting lineup. Don't know why. Yeah. I don't know if that's just more casuals or what, but they got also, they also, the fact that that Correa is going to play third base. So yeah. you got a guy playing out of position. Who knows what he's going to do at third base? But but it's also like you're going to pay him three hundred and fifteen million dollars for 12 years and he doesn't even get to play the position he wants to play. That's crazy. When's the last time you saw a third baseman besides, I guess, Machado get that much money? It's a, a similar rod. situation. A rod. Yeah, but they're. You kind of you're kind of paying shortstop money to a third baseman in both in all three of these situations. Yeah, I'm it's not smart spending because shortstop is the premium position. There's no coincidence that all the highest paid players, unless you're a superstar outfielder, we're talking shortstops in the infield, make the most money. So they're overpaying for now what is a third baseman who his bat isn't even that great. You were kind of paying for the defense and now you're just paying for the bat. Yeah. What and, and also what a bargain that Freddie Freeman deal was. Like they paid, they paid, they got lucky. He was a free agent last year, not this year. True dat. Um, we'll do a couple quick questions and then one more awesome seg. Two, well, two more, but one more awesome baseball related. Layout Lopez, I know him. Do Dodgers fans trust the front office? <laughs> I think. I mean, it, they it should. Depends on, depends on who you ask. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think it depends on the person. I trust the front office. I think you both trust the front office, but not everyone will trust the front office. I trust the front office wholeheartedly. You look over the last, however long they've been at the helm, a decade now or whatever, like for Friedman, a little less than that, obviously, but 
you look at what they've done, the rosters that they've put together, they've put together rosters good enough to win multiple championships. The fact yeah. that they have one is a, is a testament. And that's, to not- and that's where the front office, I can question them because they continue to employ a certain somebody. You, right. you know who you're, you're going, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're alluding to Dave Roberts, which, which I am too, honestly. I mean, he, he's, he's had his time. He's had the rosters good enough to win. He just didn't utilize them when he needed to. I'm specifically talking about the bullpen and the starting rotation that he continually, it's always one colossal, just absolute asinine decision that puts this team on the brink of elimination or eliminates them. So, that's that's where I would focus my ire, not on the front office. Every single year, they've they they've given the Dodgers a chance to win a World Series. They should have more than just one. Jay Lack twenty three. What will Friedman do if he can't land the big sushi, which I guess is the new the online sushi. nickname for Shohei Otani? <laughs> Well, slightly problematic, but okay. You're just going to keep it rolling here. I I think the the Giants... Sushi rolling? Yep, sure. If we're going to keep really keep it rolling, yeah, I mean, go for it. But I think this Correa contract backing out makes the Giants, the Dodgers, the main competition for Otani. I don't think he wants to go to New York. I don't think the Mets... I mean, Steve Cohen is... The Mets are out. Are they? Are yeah, they though? They, they can't. He's they can't. he's proven that Cohen has proven by this deal that you can't he doesn't count care. out for anything. He doesn't give a fuck. He said it. What's the difference of a couple percentage points of a tax? He doesn't care. So I can't rule out the Mets. But I do think Otani does not want to go to New York. I get that vibe from him. I get uh just not the New York vibe from him. I, I just don't see it. Secondly, he wants to go somewhere. He said it. He wants to go somewhere who's where where they're winning. And that's not going to be San Francisco. They have nothing. They have Logan Webb and not a whole lot else. So I I think the Giants are going to make him an offer competitive to what the Dodgers are, which is going to be around four hundred million. I, I would guess. So I think I think it's going to be a race between the Dodgers and the Giants. I really do. Do we think that the Angels are in play yes. at all? No. Yes. I think, I they- think, well, I mean, what, why, why I asked that is because the angels have made some moves this off season that I, I think are pretty decent. And what happens if the angels actually do put it together this year and make the playoffs or make some sort of run, uh, will that factor in to what Otani does in the off season? I think it has to, I mean, obviously if there's enough, they have another season like they did in 2021, where it was just abysmal, then I, you know, see you later. But I think that if the angels do rebound and have some sort of successful season, it could factor in uh, whether or not he stays. Sure. sure. I also just think the angels are more willing to spend. I know they're going to be changing ownerships, but whoever is going to be taken over is going to want to have someone to spend it on. And they've, whether, whether they've worked out or not, they've shown the resilience. They're going to put out big money for Rendon. They're paying Tyler Anderson. They paid Otani, obviously Mike Trout, who have the giants paid Farhan looks like a clown right now. You know, and also I have to say, it's like out of all the additions that the Angels have made, yes, they got Tyler Anderson, but boy, I mean, year after year, why they they just focus on the lineup? It, it's like it's crazy. They don't ever really put any stock into their pitching, and that's why they fail when they do. It's crazy. I mean, they they have a pretty good lineup, but again, that's always kind of been their thing. Is like they have a pretty decent lineup. Sometimes they perform, sometimes they get injured or whatever, but it's always the pitching. So I, I don't know. It, it, we'll, we'll see. But I think yeah. that the angels, the angels do look better on paper than they did last year. I mean, to answer the question, if they strike out Otani and that happens right away, then I think the sh- focus am- automatically shifts to Urias. I think they'd have to re-sign Urias. They're going to have to pay Scott Boris, whatever he demands. Second I think they got to keep Arias regardless of what happens with Otani. I think it, they have to keep Arias. They really do. It's dicey. I, I guess we'll see where their farm system looks a, a year from now. They better freaking spend next next off season if that's oh, they're the, spending. They're spending next year. They better. They, they will. So, kind of alluding to an earlier question about Devers, if he's on the block or if he might be a free agent, I don't think he is though. I think he becomes one of their immediate targets. I think. They're not letting that guy get away. They can't. 
they're going to have to trade him for something if they can't reach an agreement. Otherwise, they're going to lose him for af- absolutely nothing. So and I saw a report lose, that they are very that fan base. They're very far apart. According yeah, very, to a exactly. Report. So I think they'll do something better, I would assume, trade package wise. And I think the Dodgers immediately become the front runners in the Devers sweepstakes sweepstakes. I'm not quite too familiar what other big free agents are out there for the following season. I don't usually look ahead this far in advance, but regardless, if they strike out on Otani, well, there's Machado. That's yeah, not I don't, I don't see that. If happening. he opts out, he, uh, he will, but I think he stays. I don't know if he'll stay. I just don't see the Dodgers paying him over 300 million. I just, why him? If there is yeah. other big names like Seager and Trey Turner, why Machado? Agreed. But, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll tackle more of this as the season goes along. But ultimately, the Dodgers will find someone that's a big name if it's not Otani. I think 2024, there will be a new Dodger that is a superstar. So this fired me up, and I'm apparently on an island here. And I understand why, but at the same time, I don't understand why. Clayton Kershaw is all in. He's going to pitch for Team USA and the World Baseball Classic. And God damn it, this is just freaking awesome. If the U.S. can go all the way, win the gold, like put a cherry on top for Clayton Kershaw's career because freaking Dave Roberts has already cost him enough World Series titles. So he finally gets to join a team where it's not managed by Dave Roberts or Don Mattingly. And he's going to team up with superstars like Mike Trout. He'll have Mookie Betts, Will Smith, uh, former Dodger Trey Turner. So a stacked lineup. You know, I think Kershaw immediately becomes the ace of this pitching staff. I think Nestor Cortez is another big name. And then I think Kyle Freeland is pitching. And then a bunch of mid after that. Yeah, a bunch of mid, pretty decent bullpen. So seeing Clayton Kershaw go toe to toe with like the Dominican Republic in Japan and Puerto Rico and all that. I think this is going to be huge for the World Baseball Classic because I feel like the viewership isn't that great right now. In years past, the USA roster hasn't been that amazing, even though I think they did win the most recent one, and Marcus Stroman was like the MVP. But this could put it... He's since defected also, by the way. He did. So I think with Kershaw, that is a huge starting pitcher right there. And like I said, facing all these other top-tier countries, this won't put it on World Cup status, but this definitely would be the next chapter of putting the world baseball classic, I think on more people's maps, because honestly in years past, it wasn't that exciting for me, but I think this USA roster is the most stacked one they've ever established. I think the world baseball classic is a terrific product. And if you've ever been to a world baseball classic game, you'll understand why. I mean, outside of the United States, you, you experience a a game featuring uh, Japan or you feature a a game featuring Venezuela or the Dominican Republic. I mean, those fans are rabid and they are passionate and they are loud and they're loud the entire game from start to finish. And that's the type of energy that I think baseball is craving. Um, And I hope that, that the world baseball classic takes off um more popular than it has ever been because i think it i think it's a a really great showcase uh for the world uh on the baseball stage um the thing about kershaw i love the fact that he is pitching for team usa i think i think that it is it is a great honor and i'm excited to see him pitch the only thing that worries me is the fact that we need him uh we need him for the dodgers so i hope that you know him pitching competitively that early on before the season starts does not affect him during the regular season because it's inevitable that he is going to get hurt or miss some time or they'll load management or load manage him in, in some fashion. So I, that's the only drawback that I see to him pitching for team USA. Yeah. I like the idea. I just hope he only goes one or two starts max. Uh, and I would love to see him face off against Julio Urias in Mexico. That would be badass. That would be sick. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I don't know how many games they normally play, but I don't even know how they space out either, to be honest. But I'm not worried about the injuries. I feel like most of these pitchers at this time of the year are already getting ramped up anyways. So he'll just have to get a few weeks in on it earlier. So this is potentially Kershaw's last season. He's year to year at this point. So 
I want to cherish this. I think it's really cool. So I'm excited. And Mark DeRosa, maybe we should all write to him to not overwork Kershaw. Oh, is he the manager? He is. I'll send <laughs> off a tweet. Slightly threatening. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, any other baseball re- related things you wanted to touch upon quickly? Uh, let's let's do your uh, your Christmas. All right. Yeah, let's, get, let's get into the Christmas spirit here, folks. So I'll start with my topic and then you guys can throw some other things out there. Um, there's so many different ways you could go with talking about Christmas stuff, but I wanted to focus on movies here and more specifically the top five fictional Christmas movie characters that I would want to help me plan a Christmas with. So in no particular order, these are the five names I put together. And I noticed that there aren't really any prominent women in any Christmas movies. It just seems to be a bunch of dudes. So I don't know what's going on there. Shame on them. It's always guys. I don't know if you've noticed that or you're you're big Christmas movie people, but it's always about men. Uh, So first off, Billy Mack. You probably don't know who that is. No, not the Lakers announcer, but (laughs) (laughs) from Love Actually, he's a singer. So we're going to need some entertainment here. So this guy, quite a gimmick from Love Actually. Is that the guy played by Bill Nye? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he's very funny, too. So we're going to need that kind of energy. So we're going to have him help plan this event. Second of all, probably the best name on this list, Buddy the Elf. I mean, nobody's going to know more about the North Pole than Buddy. I mean, he even knows Santa Claus personally. Uh, the guy knows food. He's got great taste in decorating. The guy can turn paper into all kinds of magical stuff. So there's my de- there's my my uh, my decorator right there, buddy, and he can help cook, I guess. Uh, just for the passion that this guy shows for Christmas, got to have Clark Griswold there. I mean, the guy was a mastermind of decorating his house. Could cut me a tree. Who was that? Uh, Christmas vacation. It's the dad. I seen it. Oh man, you got to see that one. It's <laughs> it's it's one of the most hilarious ones, to be okay. honest. So we're gonna. Kevin have... almost spontaneously combusted there. <laughs> I don't know how you haven't seen that, unless you don't like Chevy Christmas Chase. Movies. Come on. Yeah, I mean, my last name is Rosenthal, also. So yeah, we're, well, we're, we're three Jews talking about Christmas. So <laughs> continue, All right. Kevin. All right. Next up on the list. Kevin McAllister from Home I, Alone. I was hoping you'd have him on there. I was waiting for that one. He's he's such a wild card that you just have to throw him into the mix, whether it's setting up booby traps or just his shenanigans with the movies and the throwing people off. Just don't forget to invite him. <laughs> we'll just have to make sure his mom knows where he's at because <laughs> maybe he'll bring Marvin Harry along. Um, and then finally, the old man. From the Christmas story. Underrated character, but really makes you don't know who that is either. <laughs> who the fuck is that? Bro? The dad of Ralphie, but he I don't he's think I've seen guy, that movie either, dude. Another guy that just shows heart, knows how to shows heart. If you've seen the the sequel that came out recently, he came through at the he came through as well. I won't say why, but the old man. Those are my five right there. Oh, can I, uh, I, I like your list. I'm going to add one to it. Um, Scott Calvin, uh, who is, uh, Tim Allen in the Santa Claus, um, gotta, gotta bring Scott. He's just, he's just a really, uh, wholesome dad. Uh, also, uh, really bought into being Santa and really cared about it. And, uh, just a really great, uh, movie character for sure. I, like I, was, I was bought in. I was kind of expecting you to put John McClane on there. Or are you one of those people who thinks Die Hard's not a Christmas movie? You would be one of those people. Die Hard is absolutely me? a Christmas movie. Okay, but okay. How's good. how is he gonna help me? I don't we're know. Not, like, in case something to, goes wrong. We're not trying to kill people here. If it was like beat a, some, you know. If this was like a Christmas movie action fight type of thing, then yeah. I mean, you gotta have John, but for this scenario, I don't think we really need him. All right. Fair enough. I don't think he he doesn't really demonstrate his Christmas passion either. Great, great hero, but I don't know about the Christmas part. Uh, Last question, because I think this is a good way to tie into our final thoughts. What do you want the Dodgers to do for Christmas? If they can stuff your stocking or leave you a little treat under the tree. Michael Conforto. (laughs) Not happening. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to go down with that ship. 
So that's yeah, my answer. No, I, I, you know, the one thing I can commend you for, David, is that you do go down with all of your ships. Yep. Um, and you've died on many a hill. Your your bodies are strewn about. Yep. So I, I, I appreciate that. I think um, it has to be Brian Reynolds for me. I know that it's wishful thinking, and I know that it's probably not going to happen if the asking price is too high. Blah blah blah. But that's the that's the big fish. Um, and if, is it if, though? Like, are we yes. sure he's even good? He is good. Is he you, that good? You put it. You put him in a lineup that features Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Actual protection. I mean, he's he's been playing on a Pirates team that has literally nobody around him. He Brian Hayes. He's that good. He is good, and he's and he's 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 the type of player that Andrew Friedman loves. So, and he there's your center fielder. So, and he's got got you got him under team control. I mean, I, I he's a switch hitter. I, I think he's I, I think he'd be great. I just don't think I just don't see it. I just don't think he's that good. He's pretty just, good. He's he's unproven to me. Unproven. Yeah, he's, he's had two years, two or three years. I mean, I mean, at the trade cost. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't want to give up a ton of assets for that. But in a vacuum, I think he's far more safe, far more safer to acquire than Michael Conforto. Just well, not at the cost. All right. Well, who's who? Who do you want for Christmas, Kevin? All right. In my stocking, I would like Gene Segura. We've talked about him the last another few weeks. infielder. Yeah, I think we need the help. In we definitely of, need the bench help. Yeah, bench help. I think okay. he adds great experience, and I don't know how Miguel Vargas is going to work out at second base. I need more. I need to see more before I anoint him the team's second baseman. And on. What I want as like my big gift is Dylan Carlson. Kind of similar to what Jake was saying, the switch hitting aspect really, really sticks out to me. I would be excited about having that. Um, I don't know where he would fit in the Dodgers order just yet, maybe sixth. And he would come at kind of a hefty price, but no, nowhere near Brian Reynolds. I think Carlson would be an exciting get. Got to do a little more digging on his defense, but I want a center fielder. We need a center fielder. Can't be Jason Hayward. Can't be that other guy, Zimmer, whatever. Bradley Zimmer. Yeah, it can't be Chris Taylor. Can't be Trace Thompson. Well, we got Outman still. We do have Outman, but another question mark. I don't want to anoint him the starting center fielder just yet either. So that's where I stand. And I think that's that's it for uh, this episode of the Incline Dodgers. So everyone, have a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. We'll try to get to you before the new year. Vote in the uh, Incline Awards. We'll announce those winners very soon. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe, follow button. Uh, We're starting to gain some momentum there. So thank you all for watching. And if you listen to us on the podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and uh, leave some comments and reviews because everything that you guys give us input-wise goes a long way. And thank you, Alberto. We're going to demonstrate we're going to showcase some new graphics so that's exciting too and i'm just rambling here so thank you guys and peace out everyone save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.